And let's just make this one a good one. I, I, I would like it to be. I thought every time we arrive, I'm like, what would be good is it's if we made one. this a good, a good one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinomo Bitan, and Professor Dan Cable. In each episode, the two of us, we go through peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze the best bits so that you, the listener, don't have to rifle through these journals. What's up, Dan? Hello, Akin. Hey. I have one word for you. Oh, hit me with it. Ica guy. Ica. Oh, okay. Oh, straight out the bat? Ica guy. <laughs> I think that's how you said it. I, I went and listened on Google, and I think this is a Japanese word um, talking about a life worth living. Do, do you feel like you have a lot of Ica guy today? I feel like I've got loads of Ica guy. Good. And when I went through this study, the empathetic part of me, which probably makes up about 0.5% of my being, which is capable of empathy was highly aroused like reading this study because this is like a big deal like in terms if you don't have this that's who my heart was going out for the people who don't have any or if not a lot of i i just always say ikagi which is totally wrong but yeah ikagai neither of us are into um speaking a lot of japanese that's one of the things about us so um, you know, the listeners will just kind of have to trust us and maybe do some of their own research. Um, yeah, you got Google. Do it. Get in there. Say it the way you think you ought to say it. But, <laughs> uh, I want to just mention that this article, which all has to do with the purpose of life, and it's um, hard and heavy in some ways. I mean, I like having fun about squeezing the orange, but this is about mortality. This particular article and this wing of science has to do with predicting early death it's literally a matter of life and death yes so let's get in there and have some fun (laughs) um this is goes out to patrick hill and nicholas Turiano, and they are um, psychology uh professors at carlton university and university of rochester and they have published a really really interesting article um that I kind of can't wait to dissect with you. Yeah, let's jump in there. So the title of it is Purpose is a, as, sorry, Purpose in Life as a Predictor of Mortality Across Adulthood. I even struggled with the title <laughs> there. It's just, you, you science guys love words. It's just so. Yes. Okay. Yes. I can tell you why. And I think you already know this. But I, if you say it in obvious ways, then it's not science. No. You, you have to make it a little bit oblique. If you're going to draw the other scientists to you. Well, listen, what they did at the top level, um, just to kind of give you listeners a quick hit to see if you're even interested in this stuff, is they measured how much purpose in life people felt. And then they waited to see when they died. I mean, they're, <laughs> honestly, I think, I, think, I think that just sums it up. And what they found is people that feel more purpose – don't die as early. That's pretty much I out mean, of the gate. Is, I mean, that's no, you pretty like you pretty much hit it on the nail out of the gate. So this was like because they began this study. I'm not. I wouldn't. Even, I'm, I'm not even sure if it's this duo <laughs> that began the study, but this data they started collecting it back in 1994 slash 95. So the idea was to stretch over a period of time, which in this case is 14 years, and then see. So people who were registering either high or low in terms of having a sense of purpose in their life 
What were they like in 14 years' time? Why 14 years? I think, I, mean, I think it just got picked up again. Yeah. I think it was like, I think, I, so I've, I've not done any field science, but I imagine when you're trying to pick something to study, you have to kind of go through the crates a bit and see a bit like, well, what has been touched on? What hasn't been touched on? And then I imagine for this duo, it was like jackpot. Yes. Like there's this yes. research yes. that like was begun, let's say 14 years ago, we could use what was like looked at in that and then draw our own hypotheses and then conclusions as well from how these people right. are now doing. That's um, a really good lead in too. For those of you that want to hear the big picture of orange squeezing, we're going to say a little bit about the science as a whole because these particular researchers weren't the first ones in the water on this topic. There is study after study after study on this, and we might say a couple of words about what that general finding is. That's step one. And then the real squeezing the orange of this particular article is they have made a very specific and important contribution. Uh, and in the title, it's Across Adulthood. And that's the thing that they do really, really well and specifically in this article that was published in Psychological Science. What they did is they said past research showing this effect has really focused on sort of older folks. What about if you're 30? Does the feeling of purpose predict death, early death at age 30? What about 20? And by having all of that data across the lifespan and having this cutoff in 14 years, they're able to address that really concretely. And so that's the specific orange squeeze we can do here. Yeah. And just to jump on the back of that as well, what's interesting about that is so back in 94 slash 95, they didn't just ask a group of 20 and 30 year olds. So the, the group that they asked, we're talking about over 7,000 participants and they looked at people. So probably in like their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, so on and 75. so on up to 75 so they they purposefully chose a nice kind of broad kind of like range so that it wouldn't just be saying what is it like for young people or what is it like for older people it's like what is it like across the board and does that then suggest that based on how you feel at 20 is that a predictor for your mortality across your later adulthood that's right that's right. And I think that, that what's so interesting about that particular thing is it builds really directly on this stream of science that is focused on adults of late middle aged and beyond. There's, there's actually a lot of research, for example, suggesting that as people retire, they're more likely to get sick and then die early. That the notion of retirement itself is not the blessing that so many people think that they're gunning for their whole lives. And actually what seems to happen to many, many people is after you retire, life loses a lot of its flavor, meaning, purpose, direction, and they end up getting sick pretty quickly and disproportionately after that. So there's a whole stream of research suggesting that when you get to late, late middle age to old age, how much purpose you feel in life will affect your health and your longevity. And then what they did is they bounce in. And by the way, I mean, I don't know if we want to have a lot of fun with this or not. I find it incredible that they've done this in loads of different cultures. This particular study today is all U.S. based. But um, this has been studied in Germany. This has been studied in um, Japan. And so in these vastly different cultures, they're showing that the same phenomenon of a linkage between the purpose you feel and the length of your life uh, is in place. I mean, did that surprise you? Uh, I couldn't. Is that something you knew? Which element of it? The cross-cultural element? Um, no, the or? element that 
the feeling of purpose predicts how long you live. No, I mean, because- that's not something. A lot of people have heard of, I don't think. I don't, I don't imagine many people have heard of it. Cause when you do think about longevity in life, I think a lot of us do think about diet and exercise. Yep. Like you yep. think kind of like yep. wealth. You think not okay, smoking maybe. Yeah. Healthcare. Like, yeah, exactly. Not smoking. Like, you know, like not risk too many factors. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, when they're thinking about risk factors, it's these things that are quite objective behaviors. Some people know about the friendship thing. There's a whole science that the better social network you have, like good, healthy friendships, is a great predictor of how long you live. Some Mm. people know that one. But again, that's quite behavioral. You go out and you hang out with friends more, and then you live longer. How interesting. Which is a heads up as well. If you have friends that you hang out with, and before you meet them, you have to kind of sigh on the other side of the door, maybe spend less time with those people (laughs) because they are literally eating up your time and reducing the amount of time that you will have across the board as well. So maybe spend less time with uh, you know who. Yeah. Yeah. What I find uh, compelling and a little bit counterintuitive, if I'm honest, is this idea that the feeling of purpose is so subjective it's smoking a cigarette puts carcinogens into your body that then kills you. It's quite biological. It's kind of objective. This is more like, forget about the cigarettes. We controlled that out. Forget about your age. We controlled that out. It's just this idea that, do you feel that life has meaning? Mm. And nobody gives you that. That's not something you do. That's not something you decide. It, it It's a little bit magical in that sense because it's not something you can see or feel there's not a right answer i mean if you feel purpose that's just your thoughts yeah so a lot of these these studies that we go through they've made me think about magic in a different way because i think i mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts where there were just certain elements where i was a bit like there's something a bit magical taking place here and i guess as we as we kind of like move forward i guess it's good to kind of give a general idea of what we mean by purpose as well and so when uh, dan and i were kind of bouncing off the top about this ikage ikagi kind of thing so it's i-k-i-g-a-i and that's this japanese kind of like it's kind of like a philosophy and it's also a bit like um it's structured enough so it's also a bit like a model if you could say that. And so when we think about ikagi, uh, ikigai, we're looking about your life in the terms of like, if you want to know whether something is purposeful, uh, you're you're looking at, is it something that you're passionate about? Is there a mission behind it? Um, Is it to do with your profession or is it to do with your vocation as well? And so if we then expand that even further, the question that you need to ask about things, if you're questioning whether they serve a purpose in your life is, do you love it? Uh, does the world need it? Will you, will you, or could you be paid for it? And is it something that you're good at as well? So when we're looking at purpose, it's this combination and Ikagi, Ikigai is like this sweet spot where you're balancing so that you have something in your life or maybe some things in your life, which are a combination. And so I then started looking at my life and I was like, does anything in my life measure up? to this and if not that's like alarm bells because i should have at least one thing or ideally a few things where it's a bit like okay this is now giving me a sense of purpose in my life yes it's really interesting actually to think about that as a venn diagram where you're not going to maximize every one of them but you want to try to get as much overlap on those different questions as possible i think that's really important and um 
if I can also play with the magical quality a tiny bit more, I find it really strong to remember that while in science, we know so much, you know, since the 1600s, we've learned so much about science. We still don't know more than we know. Yeah. That's really powerful for me. We're, we're infants. If you think about uh, the human species, we're kind of just getting around to science. For most of human evolution, there wasn't such a thing. And this whole notion of having replicable experiments where you test in scientific ways whether this causes that, that's a new way of thinking for us humans. And so we hardly know anything about ourselves. And articles like this one inspire me because of that. They, they help me remember that how is it that this feeling that you do or don't have affects how your body responds to the environment and sticks around or not? Mm. And um, as part of a different research study I did, I started doing a bunch of research in cellular biology and how our bodies fight disease, how okay. resilient we are to a disease attacking us. And people like Barbara Fredrickson at University of North Carolina and Steve Cole, he's at UCLA, he's a medical um, professor. Well, they're doing things where they'll measure people's sense of purpose and then they'll take some blood and they'll look at the people's ability to fight disease at the biological level, like at the cellular level. And they'll show in study after study after study and culture after culture and culture that it works at that level. That when, one way to think of it, which is kind of weird and sad is if our minds say, eh, I'm not really feeling it in life, just doesn't really seem like it's that meaningful, our body's like, I don't care either. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't care, I don't care. I definitely don't care. <laughs> that's like, that's like operating at like a phenomenal level. It reminds me of like working in offices and when Christmas starts to come and you can just, you can see it. Like imagine an organize, like imagine a company or an organization is the, the individual and then, the, like, at a cellular, cellular level, that individual is now made up of the individuals who work there. So when you're in, when you're feeling like a lack of purpose, that's kind of like those individuals in the office around Christmas time. Like, they're walking around with, like, knitted jumpers. They're drinking eggnog. Like Nothing's getting they're done. They're still in the office for another three days, yet they've really put oh, their out-of-office oh on. It's gosh, just like, yeah. I don't care. No one else cares. <laughs> All of this can wait until January. What a great analogy. It's almost like, you know what? I don't, I'm capitulating. I'm, I'm just giving up on this thing. So yeah. I think that there is something so beautiful and inspiring about how that seems to be operating but most of us going through our day in day out lives don't get that so what do you think should we dive into the specifics of the article i've, I've actually got as you probably do a couple of um well comments about the way that they measured things and ways that they checked into it well is there anything that you found particularly compelling or like they tripped over a little bit oh okay so <laughs> okay get in there. There were, okay so Sorry. before we get cuz the questions that they were asked i thought those were fascinating but there was one point that i just found really amazing as well and i'll read from the study it says in explaining the potential effect of purpose on longevity re researchers have tended to focus on physical health and that kind of made me chuckle because i imagine that this study is very 
I believe the magic is operating at a higher level in this study for people who do not want to go to the gym or diet. Like, that's awesome. it's like, cause like when you watch oh, it with funny. like all of these kind of like supplements and all of these kind of like, um, like get thin quick, it's like no yeah. one really wants to do the stuff. Like no one wants to hit the gym. No one wants to meal prep. Cake. Like no one wants to give up cake. It's like science. Come to our rescue and tell me that there's something else that I can do, which means I don't need to be sweating on a spin bicycle at 7am on a Tuesday. Have you ever been on a spin bike, Dan? Oh my gosh, like spin classes. For those of you who have never attended a spin class, it's like, let's say, four rows of bicycles and everyone on them, as soon as the instructor says go, everyone hates there is nothing pleasant about it hurts hurts from the start until like until until it's over spin is one of the nastiest workouts that you will do have you heard of spin fit as Mm. well as Mm. if spin wasn't nasty there's spin fit down and there's you're doing push-ups on the bike oh my it's disgusting and i totally get why anyone who has been to a gym or has done a fitness class is like, yo, science, if there's an easier way, if there's a way that I could just feel purpose, yeah, if I could just get that thought going on. And this is the scary part. The scary part is it's actually easier to go to the gym. It's easier to give yourself a like a diet or eating plan. That's actually much easier and finding purpose yeah that sense of meaning that sense yeah. that this matters i i um uh if we go to the actual questions that they used you know because what they did essentially if we're if we're real clear about this is they went out to these seven thousand one hundred and eight people and what they basically do is they randomly call people across the nation it's called a representative sample they just call people up and uh, between 20 and 75 years old, and they ask them some questions. And the questions that they use to get at this concept of purpose, I'm not sure that I buy all three of them in a way. Like the first one is, some people wander aimlessly through life, but I am not one of them. And then people have to say, one, strongly disagree, which means like, I... I totally am one of them. <laughs> I'm the person you're talking about, man. And seven is strongly agree, which is kind of um, sanctimonious. Mm. I think like it's kind of like this. Some people wonder aimlessly, like, but I am not one of them. I'm not one of those. People. Exactly. Yeah. Almost with the emphasis on those losers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're at seven, you're pretty strong. You feel virtuous, don't you? Oh, man. Okay. You know what? Like, this, cause this part was, this is when I talk about my empathy kicking in. These were some of the questions that made my empathy kick in because if you are one of these people who are aimlessly walking around through life, you are a bit of a loser. <laughs> I'm sorry to say it, like, I'm so, like, it, it's like, it's even hard for me to say it, but I've had periods of my life where I didn't really feel a sense of purpose or value or meaning, and that's what made me feel like a loser, like, regardless of whatever clothes I was wearing or um, just different circumstances, it's like, I'm not contributing to my life or anyone else's i felt like a loser i think that that's what it's getting at yeah i think 
the profound feeling that I'm just stumbling through this video game called life without it resting on anything that matters to me, that's part of the human condition. That's part of the idea that we, as a human species, have self-reflection. It's not clear that other animals have that problem. They're more operating on biology. You know, there's instinct, there's drive. They do what their parents did. They live where their parents lived. And we humans seem to have this condition where we think, why am I here? What's it all for? And we seem to ask ourselves these questions. And if there's not an acceptable answer, it bothers us. Totally. It's existentially yeah. annoying. Yeah. And apparently that's the coolest thing. Apparently that affects our health. It's that whole mind-body thing. But um, why would you? Like, why would your, like, at a cellular level... Why would your cells want to carry on? <laughs> but like, well, no, because like, even even if, if we if we're gonna get no, because this is why this is why my empathy was aroused like so much because I'm a bit like if I met someone. So let's say like I'm in the dating market. If I met someone and they had this kind of like aimless NUI, I don't want to procreate. Yeah. I don't want yeah. those. Those genes Losers. kind of, those, yeah, those, the world doesn't need more losers. More losers. Like, <laughs> but like, even with myself, it's like, if I, if I have a job interview, it's like, I'm trying, what I'm trying to tell, what I'm trying to tell the interviewers is, I'm not a loser. Not like those people. Not like the guy, not like the other dude in the waiting room. He's a loser. He's a nameless. Yeah. He's, he's a bum. Don't hire him. He's going to funk this whole place out, man. Like, don't hire that guy. Ooh, this is good. I mean, I thought we'd have fun talking about death, but this is really it's fun. It's so talking heavy. About this like, death. because then what, what is your, why are you, what's that kind of like incentive to keep going? Like, if at an existential level, you're like, I'm done. Because yep. even the next question, and I know you've got um, you've got uh, issues with these questions as well. But the next one says, I live life one day at a time and don't really think about the future. Now, you can spin that and say that's a carefree individual. Or you can spin that and say this individual has nothing to look forward to. Yep. And I think it's a little bit of an assumption to say... The latter. It's a little bit of an assumption to say this is an individual that has nothing to look forward to. And statistically, what's important for the listeners to know is that these items do hang together well. Yeah. And that's actually important. That's a concept of reliability, which is if statistically, when you wander aimlessly through life, you, it's unconnected to thinking about the future. You know, if, then you couldn't put those items together. You couldn't call them a scale. That's what I'm going to think of that. With these three items, I'm, I'm statistically, I have no quibbles because they hang together nice and tight and they predict well, a very important outcome, frankly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I'm good with that. It is quite interesting how the interpretation of the item can be so vastly different when you're just looking at them. But then these strong scientific trends emerge around predictability. It's actually the third one. It's the third one that I guess I quibble with the most conceptually. And here, let me read it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean we have to like rip it apart, but it goes like this. I sometimes feel as if I've done all there is to do in life. Hmm. That seems 
qualitatively different in terms of what it's asking. And I wondered what your response to me, I feel as I've done all, well, in a way, that kind of seems like you've gotten out there and played ball. Like you've gotten in there and thrown elbows. You got out there and you made it happen. That's how I would interpret that. Ah, so so my interpretation was slightly different Tell from me. this one. And it was slightly different because they were looking at across a lifespan. So, like, if you hit 30, if you hit the young age of 30 and you're just a bit like, oh, I started my own business. I sold it for X amount of money. I now live on, like, this, like, island and I'm not, which I own, which I own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who rents space? You don't rent an island. Like you gotta buy the island. Yeah, you gotta yeah, you buy, down. yeah, yeah. You're not renting. How much is that one? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. I'll have it. <laughs> but like, so I think when I was thinking about this sense of like, because they're looking about purpose. At, let's say so purpose in your thirties. What does that then say about your life in your forties? So if by your thirties you're a bit like, oh, like I'm kind of done. Like I'm retired. I've done this. I've had a positive impact in the world. Um, uh, people love what I contributed, but going forward, I'm not really motivated okay, to do anything else. Again, that goes back to that concept of like, might as well just wrap it up then. Yeah. I mean, we did this and yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, and this is, I'm kind of like nabbing this from uh, another uh, psychotherapist, psychoanalyst, but it's this idea of like needing drive. So even if you've achieved everything, if you're now just sat, on an island drinking margaritas there's gonna become a point where you're just a bit fed up of like you're like i don't want to have a margarita i'm pretty much actually i'm fed up of every day being a sunny day like nothing is nothing is happening like it's it's now i'm just here so this connects a little thank you for bringing this up because that connects really nicely to that retirement phenomenon yes you know it's real nice the first couple of days or weeks or months that you're playing golf Maybe after a year, you start wondering what today is really worth, what it holds. Yeah. You know, that's, that's an interesting phenomenon. So I hear what you're saying about that. And, and again, I want the the listeners to hear statistically these held together really well. So the people that answered one, one way answered the other two consistently and it held together and it seemed to be something about the meaning that they feel in life. And then, um, as Atkin said, they then just <laughs> waited 14 years. And what they learned is after 14 years, 569 people weren't with us anymore. And then, this is so rude, they go through and they say, how many people died in each age bracket? Yeah, in each age bracket's the <laughs> oh span of 10 years. Oh, my gosh. And it, like, the, the bracket oh. makes sense. So... It's like, as you go up in the bracket, the number of people who died goes up That's as right. well, That's which right. makes sense course, because if you're going to be hit by a bus, well, life the is hazardous. Long, yeah, exactly. Life the, longer, is yeah, the longer you're around, the more <laughs> chance fact, there is. Don't they call it a hazard model that they use to actually use the statistics? Yeah, I think the yes. analytics are called a hazard model. Yeah, I watched a video on YouTube about why you wouldn't want to live forever. And they were saying, even if biologically you could live forever, you would still have the hazards. So the fact that you were going to live forever meant that you probably only we're really going to live for like a thousand years because eventually you're going to walk in front of a bus some space age some, bus yeah I mean, something's gonna it's happen gonna have like an astro blaster or yeah. something but it's gonna hit you it's, something's gonna hit you like 
<laughs> so like so as it goes up like it makes more sense that like you know the number goes up as well so i think if i just do some of the stats uh just to kind of give the listener a bit of an idea so eight participants died between the age of 28 and 39 38 between the age of the ages of 40 and 49 93 between 50 and 59 156 yep. between 60 and 69 194 between 70 and 79 and then interestingly not many left at this not point. many left then the number starts to dip again <laughs> so like beyond 80 and above then it was like about 80 people died but that's just because more people were knocked off flushed trying out. to get to 80 flushed out of the system is yeah it totally agree and i find it to be really powerful that they had all these controls, and you brought this up briefly, but like they looked, for example, at whether or not people were um, cheerful and calm and peaceful and satisfied. They controlled that out. And what I mean by that is the effects of this feeling of purpose were after they netted out the effects of, say, that peaceful, calm kind of stuff. Which I thought was super interesting yes. because yes. like th- th- this whole idea of pursuing happiness is a bit of a miscell. Like, happiness is a temporary state. So you can't chase your goal, not to tell anyone how to live their life, but it's, it's more beneficial that your life has purpose That's correct. than that you're happy with what you're That's doing. That's right. It's really interesting. It's a little bit like having kids, you know, day in and day out, changing a diaper, listening to some wailing thing that has no great gratuity. Like, they basically don't say thank you until they're like 30. <laughs> There's just no, there is no ROI. It's like your most selfish little friend. <laughs> it's like this little asshole that is your friend that just like demands and they're needy. and they, But then it somehow gives you this weird sense of meaning or purpose. Mm. So you're not happy. Yeah. You're not happy most of the time. There's all these studies that kids do not make people happier. Which I don't even know why we need a study for that. Like... <laughs> you ever seen have you ever seen a parent like <laughs> but somehow it gives you this feeling that like yeah. life is more meaningful now yeah. yeah and so when parents are like oh like having kids was the greatest thing I've, i'm looking at their shirt they've Give got like the proof. puke on it it's on back to front and inside out they've got bags under their eyes like and i'm like this is the best thing you've ever done this Hard pass. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. I feel like I've done all there is to do in life without that mess on my arm. Okay. So anyway, that made me sweaty a little bit. The other thing that they did is they controlled out the uh, positive relations with others, as we've mentioned, and they just sort of netted all this stuff out. And the most important finding is for this is across whatever age you are, for every one standard deviation increase in purpose. So what I mean by that is if it's on this one to seven point scale and the average is about 3.9, moving from a 3.9 to about a 4.7, it gets you 15% less risk of dying. That you can reduce your risk of dying by 15% if you essentially feel just one little point jump in terms of this sense of purpose. And that's over these 14 years. So I did like a little bit of maths around this thing. And it is quite interesting that if the average lifespan is now like 82 years, 83 if you're a woman, it is like getting you seven more years of life. 
Like seven, wake up, go to sleep, 365 days. Unbelievable. And those are going to be seven more years that you actually want. Oh, and they're better years. Whereas there's some people years. who are walking around who are like, would anyone like seven more years? Because I got something I don't want. I got like a whole bunch that not only do I not want, I'll happily give them away. I bore me. Yeah. I'm bored with my own life Oof. and I just want to kind of get rid of them. Oh dear. Oh, oh wowzers. Oh my, there's so much. I, I love these studies. As always, there's always like so much more that we can kind of like trowel out of this. Um, Anything did you, else? do you have any, I was going to just ask the same question. Did you have any, any gems or any thoughts to impart before we depart? I don't know how to approach this issue. It maybe goes back to the magic a little bit, but sometimes I'm thinking about what did they not measure that might be underneath both of those phenomena? You know, like they measured on all kinds of cool stuff and then they put that in the equation. But I'm sometimes wondering if there's not something underneath both that feeling of purpose and how long you live that they didn't measure. Oh, tell me a bit more well, about like, that. Well, like, I don't know. Like, let me give you an example. Um, let's just say wealth. I'm just throwing it out there. In this particular Ooh. study, they didn't look at wealth. And, like, I'm just wondering if – and I don't even know which direction it would go, frankly. But it's this idea that um, – and I'm not saying it is this, but I, I was just musing. What sorts of things like wealth might be under that so that, for example, if you had more money, then maybe you'd be more likely to say that your life has meaning or not. And you might live longer because of going to doctors or not or getting shots and so on or not. But it wasn't measured and it wasn't in the study. So just as a piece of science, I did wonder about that omitted variable bias and, you know, self-esteem might be one. Mm. Just the idea that some people have more love of their self, not in a weird, bad way, um, but just in this sense of like they think they're a good person. And maybe that would cause them to both answer higher to that type of question and live longer. Yeah. So that's just, it's a little thing, but it's something that I was like bothering my brain a little bit. I, I think I can see why it bothers your brain a bit as well. Cause it's, I guess it's partly this idea of trying to not get too wrapped up in the headline. So you might read a study like this and be like, the headline is with more purpose in my life, I'll live longer. But be, be, beneath that headline is, oh, maybe I should also exercise. Maybe I should watch how much I'm eating. Maybe I should, because um, this is what's amazing about um, Ikigai as well, is it isn't saying just do what you love. It's also saying with what you love, is someone going to pay you for this? Because you've still got to put bread and butter on the table. And at the same time, it's not also just saying, if you gave up just the do butter, what you're good at. You if might live longer. <laughs> just- <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. I heard, I heard the queen, she's like, even when she was getting older, she was like, you guys can adjust my diet as much as you want. Proper butter. Don't put none of this healthy trash like proper i still want to no taste margarine here. yeah i still want to taste some stuff man um but yeah with akagi as well it's like it's not saying just do what you're good at it's also saying is there a need right. for like does this f- fulfill a need so like and not to like rag on like uh gamers but some people might be amazing at gaming but it's like is that having a an impact on the world in any way and it's not to say that that means that gaming is good or bad, but it just means in sense of you feeling a sense of purpose about mm. it, mm. you might be very good at it and you might love it. But if the world mm. doesn't really need it and you're not being paid for it, that might just kind of like offset your, well, ikigai. 
and therefore your life, and therefore your life. Yeah. Any last words of wisdom you'd throw out there? Uh, Go do something. There we have it. Like for real. Like find like find something to do. Like if I don't know, whatever it is, like bake. Uh, like you start know, a podcast. start a podcast. Like, find something to do, and your body's gonna thank you for it. And then also later in life, like even if like you love your career, eventually they're gonna hand you that gold watch and be like deuces. Like, like you, we, you don't need to come back here anymore. In fact, in we fact, we'd, yeah, we'd pre- yeah. Eventually, it's like that's enough of that. So when when all of those things start happening, it's like, well, what what is what is you like? What is you, and are you doing that? Have you taken time to explore and discover that? Because yeah, when certain options start to uh, dissolve in life, it's a bit like, well, what have I built for myself that does give me that sense of purpose? What a ball talking with you about this. Likewise, Dan. Uh, if you listeners thought that was all right. Please send it to friends of yours. Totally, yeah. Let's make this a movement. Yeah.